Okay, three things before we start. One, my sinus infection update. It's completely gone. Praise God. It's completely gone. It lasted for two weeks and it was horrible. Second thing, I watched the Great British Baking Show on Netflix and I learned that macaroons and macarons are two different things. I always thought that some people just called macarons macaroons and vice versa some people called macaroons macarons but they're two different things and the third thing is last week I was called a dangerous woman on fire for God that is by far the best compliment I have ever received in my entire life and I think we should all aim to be dangerous women and dangerous men dangerous people on fire for God I think that's awesome I want that written on my tombstone when I die I want it plastered everywhere when someone asks about me or when someone asks about anyone that is a Christian and following God we should be dangerous people on fire for God and also you know whenever you google someone it will say for example Taylor Swift if you googled Taylor Swift it would say American singer-songwriter well I want it to say L Johnson dangerous woman on fire for God does anyone know how to get a hold of Google be right back googling how to get a hold of Google Hello, welcome back to the Not My Will But Yours podcast, formerly known for one episode as the Let's Talk About It podcast. The premise is still exactly the same, but after seeing how many podcasts are called Let's Talk About It, I decided to change it. The name Not My Will But Yours is much more fitting and it's actually something I've had to keep repeating to myself this past week. Last week, I told you about how I had been feeling the push to do this for so long. Well, immediately after publishing the first episode for friends and family, I started feeling a pullback. I got anxious. I got scared. My armpits started sweating. I could barely work my mouse at my computer because my palms were so clammy. And I had the Facebook post written out for a few minutes and just sat there before I actually clicked post because I was questioning myself. Should I actually do this? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm not qualified, like I said in the first episode. So I texted my mom and I said, I'm so scared to post this. And she said, actually, let me pull up exactly what I said. Okay, this is exactly what I said. I want to post my podcast on Facebook, but I'm nervous too. My mom said, go for it. Who cares what other people think? It's good. And I said, true. God's will, not mine. She said, yes. So I clicked post and for the most part, I've gotten really good feedback, which is good for my earthly feelings, for my earthly body. It feels good to have good positive feedback about what you're doing, but I prepared myself for the worst. Even if people hated it, they were like, why are you doing this? This is irrelevant, you know, Even if people gave me the worst feedback, I knew that I was going to have to push through that. And so basically that's what I was preparing myself for once I pushed post. I prepared myself for the worst and I didn't receive the worst, which is awesome. People listened to it that I didn't expect (laughs) to listen. You know, I just hope that people continue to resonate with it and 
people continue to listen. My stories and my experiences are no more extraordinary or special than anyone else's. My experiences are more than likely parallel to a lot of people. And I think that's the beauty of everyday people sharing their experiences. I got a text message. (laughs) Sharing their experiences because it can help others feel less alone. And that's what I needed when I was in my teens and early 20s. And even now, I still need that. So that's why I'm doing this is because if you share your experience, somebody somewhere, fingers crossed, (laughs) will say, well, I went through that. She went through that too? I didn't know that other people went through that. So last week, I said that this week I was going to talk about being a college dropout or a university dropout. I'm going to try and answer the question, why did I fail at finishing college multiple times? A little background, I grew up with a single mom who earned her master's degree while I was in junior high and high school. My grandpa was a veterinarian and an entrepreneur. And I have a first cousin who is a cardiologist at Johns Hopkins. And my uncle, well, let me tell you, will not let a single person pass by without letting them know. And rightfully so, because that's a huge accomplishment. The point is, when I was a kid, the emphasis that was put on the importance of academics was so great that the only reason I strived to be in National Honor Society was because you got to wear a white sash at graduation. To differentiate the people in National Honor Society from the people who weren't in National Honor Society. First of all, Let me clear this up. I barely was in National Honor Society. And even if you have the GPA to be in it, you don't have to be. So there probably were kids walking around at graduation who qualified for it, but didn't have a sash. Second of all, it is so ridiculous looking back because as soon as the ceremony is over, no one remembers who wore a white sash and who didn't. But I wanted that white sash to define me for that hour and a half. That was an hour and a half I didn't have to worry about defining myself because once that ceremony was over, I was no longer a senior at Shakota High School. I was no longer a graduate in National Honor Society with a white sash. I had to find something else to define me because I had no idea who I truly was on the inside. Now, that's something that I didn't know at the time. I didn't know that these were things that I was doing. And of course, the cycle continued into college I joined a sorority because I wanted that to be my definition. I thought, okay, I'll join the sorority and that will be my identity for at least four years. I won't have to define myself. It will define me for me. I was an OSU cowboy, a college student, and a Zeta. Boom. That's me. That's my definition. It wasn't a right, the right fit for me, which was really hard for me because my mom my whole life had told me that going there to Oklahoma State University was the best four years of her whole life. And so I always thought, okay, this is going to be the best four years of my life. And so I kind of went in thinking that and I came out where it was like one of the worst years of my life. But I did learn a lot about myself. I learned that I should have gone to a local community college first. But if I would have done that, I think I've always would have wondered, why didn't I just go to a university first? So in hindsight, it's good that I did that and I experienced it that way, but I did end up moving back home. I, and I went to 
a local community college. It was a much better fit for me and I actually didn't let that define me. I didn't care to have that define me. So I think that was another thing that made it a good fit. I wasn't just going there to have that definition. I was actually going there to just get an associate's degree. But this wasn't until after I had spent two semesters at Oklahoma State University. And then I decided that I wanted to go to nursing school. And again, that was something that I wanted to define me. I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be in nursing school because I feel like that's associated with success. Being a nurse, being an RN is associated with success in my mind, it was. And so I went to nursing school and I did pretty well. In nursing school, you have like three classes, I think, two or three that are like the main class. And I did great in the main nursing, fundamentals of nursing or something like that class, but in the math, I gave it my all and I still didn't end up passing that class and when I was in nursing school that was when the uncle that I had been living with actually passed away and that was also the time that I had to be in the hospital and so those two things kind of interrupted that whole nursing school process and that's when I started having panic attacks too it was in nursing school and so I ended up stopping nursing school and moving to be closer to my mom. Two common denominators here are the fact that I only went to OSU and only joined a sorority because I wanted that to define me and I only went to nursing school because that's what I wanted to define me at the time. Now, Mind you, these are not things that I knew then. They're only things that I know now in hindsight, but I know exactly that that's why I had failed at doing those, both of those things. And that is something that I think a lot of people may be ashamed of is that they went off to university and then they ended up coming back home after a year. And I think it's something that we should normalize is that if something isn't a right fit for you and you gave your all and you just couldn't do it anymore and you come back and you kind of look back and reevaluate the situation and you realize that that wasn't the correct fit for you and you go ahead and you thrive in something that is a good fit for you. So I don't think that if you did go off to a four-year school and then ended up coming home to do something different, then that's not something to be ashamed of. That's not your path a four-year university and something a little bit different is your path and that is perfectly fine. If you give your all to something and it doesn't work out, that's a sure sign that it wasn't meant for you and that God is calling you to do something different. If you give it everything you've got, no matter the outcome, you should still be proud because you did your absolute best. If the path that you're going down isn't meant for you, embrace that. And if you're praying to God to show you the path that he has paved for you and the current path you're on keeps getting interrupted for some reason, if you genuinely feel in your heart that you're pushing against what God wants you to do and if you're pushing against trying to fight through whatever the barriers he's throwing at you to try and get you to change course, change course. But if you think that This is the path that I am supposed to be on and I know that this is the path that I'm supposed to be on and things just keep getting in your way and it's the devil that's throwing those in your way, then push through. 
absolutely pushed through. But for my situation, I knew that it wasn't the devil, that it was God saying, this this isn't the path and you'll realize it sooner or later, but just trust me that this is not where you're supposed to go. And I know that now. I know that because I I was diagnosed with ADHD not too long ago and it's something that I look back at everything that has happened in my life and I can contribute it to that. I can contribute some part of it to not having that diagnosis when I was young. So I know that there are times that I've had jobs where I've messed up. I've messed up in those jobs making careless mistakes because I was thinking too fast or I was moving too fast or I wasn't paying enough attention to it. And had I gone down the four-year university route, got a career straight out of school, that could have been detrimental to my career messing up that way. If I would have gone to nursing school, been a nurse, and then made one of those kinds of mistakes, also could have been extremely detrimental. Someone's life could have been on the line. So I know that that's the reason that and this may sound crazy to some people, this may sound absolutely insane, like, girl, what are you talking about? But genuinely, looking back, I feel like that is the reason. Because I was undiagnosed, because I didn't have the proper help from, you know, medical professionals to get my brain to where it needed to be to be able to thrive. God kept putting those barriers in my way saying, this is not what you need to do. This is not it. You will understand why later, but this right now isn't it. So, so far, we, I have answered the question with two answers. Why did I fail out of college multiple times? Because I was letting, I was letting the things that I was associated with define me. And another was that I had a diagnosis that I needed to get figured out before I went down my true path. I wasn't listening to God. I was trying to listen to my own desires that just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. In Proverbs, it says, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all of your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. Now, this commentary is from faithfoundedonfact.com, and it just simply says the main point behind these two verses is to trust the Lord. This is in contrast to trusting yourself, which is what our earthly bodies want to do is to trust ourselves, and we have to actually reach out and switch the direction and go to the Lord. We all have a strong tendency to trust ourselves, don't we? If we encounter a tough situation, how many times do we obsess over it and spend so much time and energy on it? And that's something interesting to think about is how often do we obsess over the decisions that we make? How often do we instead stop and pray and just allow God to fill our souls, to fill our bodies head to toe and just invite him in? to help us with those decisions and to be the guidance that we need. Last week I had 
suggested a few songs, a few worship songs, and this week I do want to go ahead and suggest another one. This one I actually listened to for the first time in high school when I think I was a sophomore in high school, so 10th grade, and it is called Garden by Misty Edwards, and this is a song that you need to listen to if you've never listened to it before, or even if you have, listen to it when you're by yourself, put in some headphones, lay down, quiet room, maybe the lights are off, and just take in every word. She says, come into your garden. I am your garden. Come into your garden. I'm no longer alone. I am your garden. So just take those words in and allow them to fill your soul and your spirit and just invite God in to lead you on the path that you're supposed to go down. What is supposed to define you? Is it the earthly things that we our bodies and our earthly beings and I know I say that but it's so true like an earthly being it kind of sounds like an alien or something but it's our our bodies that are on earth you know in Genesis it says that God created Adam out of the dirt he created man out of dirt but it wasn't a being until he breathed life into it and I love that verse he breathed life into the nostrils of Adam so we do have earthly bodies we have these shells that are meant for while we're here on earth and then we have our spirits that God breathes into us so that we become living beings whether we realize it or not our earthly beings guide us one way and something that actually was said in in one of my groups this week was we humans don't drift toward holiness that isn't the direction that our earthly bodies naturally go in they go of course, to worldly things and earthly things. You have to consciously make an effort to switch and to go towards God. So you have to consciously think about it because it's not the direction that our bodies want to go in and our minds and our hearts want to go in, but our souls need that. So you have to choose God, choose Jesus every single day and make that decision to follow him. So I don't even remember what I was talking about. because I got off on that and I was just so into talking about our bodies and our souls. Back to our definitions. If you were to take, think about this, if you were to take away everything that currently defines you, your career, your status in society, your history, your parents' history, your family history, your family name, your family's last name, your married last name, everything that you think makes you you, that's worldly. Your name brand clothes, even your style, just everything that makes you worldly and you think defines you. If you take all of that away, your academic achievements, everything, and you're left with nothing and that's all you have to go on, what defines you? And if you can't get any of that back, if that's out of the question, say you're just, that's how the world is now. Nobody has worldly things. Nobody has a certain status. And we have to figure out what is going to define us. What is that? That's such a hard, it's kind of a hard thing to think about because we get accustomed to certain things and we get comfortable. I think one main thing for me in the past has apart from everything I mentioned earlier is material things especially especially in my early 20s I thought that the more I consumed the better I would feel which I actually felt the opposite and those things didn't 
fill the void that was in my life. Those things I thought would define me and I thought people would like me better. It's like, oh, she has all this cool stuff. She's so cool. Let's be her friend. Oh, she's wearing this certain kind of shoe. Oh, she has that bag. Oh, she does this. Those things can only define you for so long. If you let those things do the talking for you, then when it comes down to people actually getting to know you, are they still going to want to be around? Do they like who you are? Why put up that front to begin with? Why not just introduce yourself to the world as you truly are? And then at that point, you don't have to break through any weird barriers. You don't have to pretend to be someone you're not, which is, by the way, is exhausting. It's exhausting to have to put on a front. So if you're happy and chipper all the time when you first meet somebody, then that's kind of the expectation is that, oh, this person's happy and chipper all the time. If you're down in mopey all the time or down in mopey the first time you meet someone, that's kind of the standard. And it's like, oh, this person's down in mopey. (laughs) So present yourself to the world the way you want to be perceived all the time because it's going to be hard to keep up and act. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to be, in the end, impossible and it's not worth it. Just present yourself to the world as you are. Those who are supposed to be in your life will be. Those who aren't in your life aren't meant for you. And that is that is actually something that I do want to talk about in future episodes, especially for those who are going through relationship troubles or they're kind of trying to navigate maybe the dating world or maybe even the married world. I don't have as much experience with that because I've only been married for five years, but I did have a lot of experience with that as a teenager and as a young adult and that is something I do want to discuss in future episodes so I won't get into it too much. What expectations does God set for us? We know what the world expects of us and that we try to achieve sometimes a lot of the time but that's not something that should define us and that's not something that we should aspire to be is the best possible worldly version of ourselves or the worldly version that everybody wants to see. There's this speaker and her name is Penny J. Kendall and on her website she maps out all of the expectations that are listed in the Bible. 20 things that God expects of you and see if these are things that you can aim to achieve. In Philippians 1:21 and Galatians 2:20, he expects us to surrender all to him. Isaiah 43:10, he expects us to know him and believe him. Matthew 22:37 through 40, he expects us to love him and love each other. He expects us to glorify him. Psalm 86:12, he expects us to trust and obey him. He expects us to talk to him. He expects us to follow him, fix our eyes on Jesus, love mercy, be compassionate, be truthful, have the mind of Christ, guard our hearts, be servants, be grateful, be generous givers, be encouraging, be forgiving. He expects us to wait on him. He expects us to be faithful. And here is a commentary just underneath that list from that same website. It says it's easy to get bogged down by the expectations that the world places on us or by those we place on ourselves. Those expectations might need some reflection and perspective before we decide whether they are important enough to meet or not. And I think that's wonderful. You should reflect on what expectations are you setting for yourself? What do you think other people expect from you? And what are you letting define you? Are you letting those expectations define you? Or are you letting God define you? 
I said at the beginning of this episode that someone had told me that I was a dangerous woman on fire for God. And if that defines me for the rest of my life, I could absolutely not be any happier with that. What expectations are you trying to meet? And are those in line with what God expects of us? If you would like to email me, my email is letstalkpod at yahoo.com because I set that email up when the name of the podcast was still Let's Talk About It. And I'm not going to change it. So it's letstalkpod at yahoo.com. I grew up Methodist and every Sunday they would have, okay, what are your prayer requests? Okay, any joys, any praises, and then people would say things that they were grateful for that happened that were at praise. So if you have any of those, send those to me and I'd love to read some on the podcast. If you don't want me to read them, that's fine. Just write that in the email. If you would be okay with me reading that, go ahead and put that in the email as well. I would love to hear from you and to hear any of those praises that you have. Also, listen to this podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon, and you can also just listen through the RSS feed. So if you would like to subscribe or follow the podcast, that would be great, or leave a review, that would be awesome too. And thank you so much for listening. I'm just so happy you're here. Jesus loves you. God loves you. Have a wonderful day.